Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're both sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Don't know if you can tell from our voices, but we both have colds. This is the closest we've come to actually working in the same office. With you being in Rome and me being all the way in Seattle, somehow we've managed to catch the same illness. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same bug. Well, it's similar anyway. Cold-based, moves around yeah. the body. I don't know where yours started. Mine started in the throat. Me too. Now it's down in the chest. Mine's up in my head. Mine's doing right nostril and chest right now. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Not to mention just how tired... I feel all the time, which I've been getting that vibe from you. Yes, yes. And Derek says I have a certain level of vocal fry in my voice right now, which I no, don't really like. It's not exactly good <laughs> for the uh, profession. No, we were sitting across the table from each other last night and he l- just paused and he looked at me and he said, what's wrong with your voice? And I said, what are you talking about? You're talking like this, vocal fry. No, I'm not. I have a cold. <laughs> but anyway, because of that, we've decided to do something a little special today. First, before we launch into what we're doing that's special, though, I just wanted to say you put up a post last week for charitable, what is it? Giving, Giving Tuesday? Giving Tuesday. Mm-hmm. When people go online and support their favorite charitable organizations. And I just wanted to thank Lucinda from New Jersey and Tyler from Missouri for both jumping on board and sending us a donation in honor of Charitable Tuesday. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I also just really want to quickly point out, for those of you who missed last Thursday's mini episode, go back and listen to it for one, because it will be a little bit of a fun, beautiful tearjerker for you. But also, we're doing a really special giveaway for the holidays. We have Mo Rocca's book, Mobituaries. It's signed by him. He's even drawn a picture in it of maracas, of course, you know, like the instrument. Very clever. Oh my gosh. I just got that. I know. It took a while. I literally (laughs) just got that because I saw the picture and I thought those look like maracas. Hmm. Why would he draw maracas? Is there some reason for that? (laughs) Yeah. Did not even like cross my mind. Didn't even nothing. Zip. (laughs) And even as you said that, you were like, obviously. And I sat and I thought about it. And okay, I got it. I'm very slow, apparently. Well, you have a cold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Was this one of those things where you're thinking, obviously, oh, I better not say anything because I don't want Katie to know I'm not obvious. (laughs) And some people listening right now who also have colds are probably like, I don't get it. (laughs) Just think about it a little more. So we're giving away a copy of that book. It's huge. It's heavy. It's very entertaining. It's full of lots of great stories. Some you may know about, some you've never heard of before. Celebrity characters. And we're going to give it away to one of you for free. I'm going to pay for the shipping. I'm going to get it to you in time for the holidays. Wow. Hopefully. Unless you're in Italy and it disappears for a couple months first. I will send it to you in the mail. And we're going to give it to one person who donates at the $10 level at Patreon before December 15th. So everybody who does that not only gets all the Patreon prizes, but they also get thrown in the hat for the possibility of winning this really great book. And this, of course, includes all of our current Patreon supporters who are already donating at the $10 level, correct? Yes, we will throw them in. Or is that wrong? No, we'll throw them in the hat. That seems fair. 
everybody who donates at the $10 level. So if you're not in there yet, get in there. Mm-hmm. By December 15th. Donate on the $10 level. If you've been sitting on the fence. Yeah, get off the fence. Get off the fence. Get into our car. <laughs> and donate 33 cents a day to support this show that comes to you every single week. Or more. You know, you, you could always go uh, higher than 10 as, as well. You know, yes. that's not like you're going to get disqualified if you go for the 50 level. Right. <laughs> it's a minimum of 10, though. So get on that. You have just a few more days to do it. Don't delay. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the Bittersweet Life podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Okay. So enough about that. Here's what we're going to do. Back a few weeks ago when we had Paul Theroux, the travel writer on the show, he said this one statement and it sort of just stuck around in my head from that interview for the last couple weeks. So I'm going to play you the statement and you tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. To be in a place where you don't speak the language, you're lost. You're lost. And you might as well go home because you're just at the mercy of anything people say. You know, you just find yourself. I've been in this position. I mean, in Turkmenistan, for example. Well, I, I can't speak the Turkmen language. Uh, Uzbekistan, same thing. But I, I made a point in places of trying to learn the language. So what do you think? I love the clip. It's hilarious, but I don't agree. I mean, I don't agree that you might as well just go home if you can't speak the language. Right, because... Because, I mean, how little of the world would be open to you? Even if you're, you're a polyglot and you speak, you know, French, German, and Dutch, and Swahili, like, that's still only a small number of... I mean... French there's lots of people lots of different countries in Africa where they speak French but you get my point like you can't speak every language it's impossible I mean in India alone there are like a thousand it's just not possible so how could how could you say well you can't go to this country or you shouldn't bother going just because you can't speak the language yeah it's interesting I think I wish I had pressed him on it a little bit more because I wonder if he said that in part because he kind of goes everywhere as a journalist and I didn't ask him is that an opinion that's coming from a journalist's lens? If you can't go and be able to write a book where people who actually live there can give you direct input, does that make it not worth it? Or does it make it not worth it because you just fumble around so much and miss the point of the country? And does he fundamentally think mm. that it's not worth it? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good hypothetical question. I think you can even miss the point of a country, even if you speak the language. I mean, if you're just traveling to some place for a week, even if you speak the language, let's say you're a French person and you go to a country in Africa where they speak French. Just because you can speak their language does not mean you're going to get the country. Just like an American person going to England is not necessarily going to get the country. And and I think, can the other, can the opposite be true? Can you get a country without speaking the language? I don't know. Maybe if you live there long enough, but then it's I suppose if you live there long enough, you would eventually pick up the language. <clears throat> Do you think uh, that I get Italy having lived there for a year and really not speaking the language? That little ahem was for you. I don't know. what You tell me. Well, to meditate on this, and I would love to hear what people think, we do have a lot of new listeners who don't realize that this show began as an exploration of the short-term, long-term expat. You being the long-term, living in Rome, me being the short-term, in Rome for just a brief time, just a year, in our very early episodes, season one, the whole thing takes place in this lens of you having knowledge and me fumbling around in the dark. <laughs> and 
ever since Paul Theroux said that statement, I've been thinking about this one early episode we did. I believe it was called Blackout. I think it was episode nine. (laughs) It is basically the direct illustration of what can happen when you live in a country and don't speak the language and get put into a sort of common situation that you have no means to navigate your way through. And so for fun, and to encourage those of you who are new to actually go back and listen to all the Rome episodes, because they're so fun, way back at the beginning, I thought we could listen to um, Blackout again, but through the lens of what Paul Theroux says, and see if you agree. Sounds like a plan. One last thing before we travel back in time to season one, we are planning a very special behind the scenes episode, and we want your suggestions of things that you're curious about. Uh, or that you'd like to have a little window into our world as far as things that happen behind the scenes in the production of this show. Yes. So this is good for those of you who are just uh, major fans who wonder how it came together or like what conversations led to the creation of this show or what we do week to week. What do we wear while we're taping? What do we wear while we're taping? I'm wearing a gown right now. No, I'm wearing a clown costume. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say what I'm wearing because my mom's listening. Uh Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm in sweats. <laughs> but I also thought for other podcasters who are curious about how we create a show with you in Rome and me in Seattle and have it sound like we're not an entire world apart, I'm happy to answer a few technical questions as well. So send us your questions and queries. You can send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail, M-A-I-L dot com. Or you can just send us a message over what's the word social media <laughs> sorry you can just contact us via social media we're at the bittersweet life podcast on most of the major social media sites yeah send those questions in as quickly as you can and if you want to send them by voice memo i'll even put your voice on the show and i can tell you technically how i did that Ooh, yay and now let's journey back to when this show was in its babyhood its infancy and I was still a complete and utter moron trying to make my way through Italy. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Here we go. Enjoy. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talking about living abroad, expats in Rome. I'm here for a year. Tiffany's been here for the last 10 years. And in that, we've discovered the joys and the mishaps of um, living overseas. Uh, Tiffany probably has experienced more joys and more mishaps because I haven't been here as long. But but nevertheless, when it's your first year, I think you feel things more strongly. Yes. Both joy and like the woe of being feeling completely out of place. And I think you're more likely to make the big big mistakes too. The big mistakes along the way are at least the embarrassing ones. I'm certainly having to learn to be a braver person, I think. I think that's one of the best things about being an expat actually is it pushes you out of your comfort zone and it forces you to do things every day that you know there's that old expression like you know do something that scares you every day well when you're an expat you kind of have to at least the first few years you know when you're learning the language and you're not sure yet of you know how things are done and so I think that's good. It also has those days when you're just like, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I'm staying here. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to leave my house. I'm going to watch American TV. 
Yeah. And then read a book in English and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> we make this dish. It's kind of embarrassing, but we make this dish that we call a comfort bowl, <laughs> which you eat when you need comfort of some kind. And you can get all the ingredients for comfort bowl in Italy, but it's expensive here. It's not expensive in um, the United States. And you'll be like, that's comfortable because it's way too healthy to be comfortable. But it's quinoa, which I don't know if you've noticed or if you ever eat it here, but it is so expensive it here. Mm -hmm. So it's quinoa. Tofu marinated in soy sauce, ginger, hot pepper flakes, and sesame oil, mm -hmm. all of which are not necessarily readily available. Well, the ginger you can get. The ginger, ginger yes. But, but everything else it. is tough. Right, the hot pepper flakes. Well, yes, that's true. Hot pepper flakes, but the soy, you have to go to a specialty store. Quinoa. The sesame oil. Then spinach. It's supposed to be spinach, but lettuce is easier to find, so we use lettuce. Shredded carrots. Uh, and then broccoli or whatever else all mixed together in one bowl with hot quinoa so it melts the lettuce. So if that sounds too healthy, then we dump peanut sauce all over it. Yum. So of course peanut sauce doesn't exist in Italy either. So we've been using peanut butter, melting it down with some sort of hot something or other that we can find. It's like Tabasco sauce, but it's different. I don't know what it is. And then adding a bunch of salt and oil to it. <laughs> and that will make it health less healthy. Yeah. So that's comfortable. On those shut-in days when you really need something. What about adding sprouts? Well, do they have sprouts here? I've never yes. seen sprouts. I, yeah, you can get sprouts at um, at the supermarket. Yeah. you got to add sprouts in there. That'll make it amazing. Okay. Comfort bowl. So that's in one of those shut-in days. I don't get too many of those. Oh, but you've acclimated. You're, you're in your 10, so. That is true. That is true. But nevertheless, I do have my moments of being like, what, this country is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've been having. I got to admit, I'm going to put this out there in case you haven't noticed. I'm starting to get kind of frustrated by this country. Is that because I'm here? No, I don't think. It, I think it has to do with the fact that I'm spending less and less time with other expats, with the exception of you, obviously, uh, and more and more time with Italians. I, that sounds really bad. And I don't mean to mean that to sound bad. I really don't. But for some reason... <laughs> You got to cut that part because it's I'm not cutting horrible. it. Go ahead. It sounds horrible. Let's just throw you under the bus. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> no, I think I think it don't, it's not just about being around Italians and that's the problem. I think it's the, the more that I get integrated, is that the word? The more that I get integrated into Italian society, the worse it is. The less carefree and fun and oh I'm living in a foreign country and isn't this great you know sort of a thing the first few years I lived here I had a lot of expat friends because I worked in tourism and I was hanging out with tour guides all the time who are all Americans Canadians Brits I spent my, the majority of my time with them and occasionally I would like be dating an Italian guy but all my friends were foreigners and I didn't really go in deep into the whole you know the bureaucratic nightmare and also the sort of political pathos that is here, like this, the horrible things that go on in the political system here that just make you want to cry. You know, I kind of skimmed the surface. I was sort of living on the surface of the country, which was really nice. And I thought, oh, you know, but it's better. You should get, you know, if you're living in a place, you should really like go deep. And now I'm married to an Italian and now I'm working in an Italian company with all Italians. And I spend a lot of time with my husband's family and I still see the closest of my expat friends, 
but I see them much less often now, probably also because I'm married, so I spend more time with my husband, which is, of course, what I want to do. But I think that could be it. It could be that I'm more... I'm more seeing Italy as an Italian would see it now. And I get why so many Italians say to me, you moved from America here. We all want to move away. And as much as I love Italy and I love Rome and it's just the most beautiful, amazing, historic, enchanting place in the world, I'm starting to get that sort of sense, especially seeing Italy through my husband's eyes, who's, you know, a local who's lived here his whole life, how hard it is to do anything. You know, it's just like, oh, you want to get away. And so I think maybe that's it. So you're going to get away? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll both be leaving at the end of my time here. Well, I don't think I'll be leaving <laughs> that soon. But my husband and I are toying with the idea of buying an apartment. But we both kind of want to leave Rome. He wants to leave Rome more than I do. I really love this city. Ideally, I would like to stay. But it makes me crazy. And it makes him crazy. So I'm like, you know, maybe we shouldn't buy an apartment. Maybe we should move to Emilia Romagna or France or England. And he always says, or America, which I'm a little shy to move back to America. But who knows? I don't know. Give it a try. Go back to America. Uh, no? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why? Tell me. Tell me, as, as someone who's living in Rome now, what are you missing about America? Uh, well, not too much, actually, at the moment. But I'm also here temporarily. You know, and I think that you drift in and out of this love affair with it. It's almost like it goes in a cycle. It's annoying, and then it's wonderful, and it's annoying, and then it's wonderful, just based on whatever's going on in your life. But for me, I, I have been thinking that I, I do want to stay longer, just because I feel like there's so much to learn here. I've met a lot of people that I like here, and the patina of it hasn't worn totally away from me, you know, and I'm still very much staying above it. Like, I'm trying not to know everything about the politics that are going on and to not live life that way for a little while because I used to work for NPR and so knowing what was going on in the news all the time was my job and my duty and so I knew the ins and outs of every little thing. I'm trying to take a break from that to find out what my own thoughts are beyond the news cycle which is something I've never really enjoyed being tied to. So I'm trying not to pay attention. So I was talking to my husband Derek about oh well, what if we were to find a way to try to make it so that we stay longer. And for him, <laughs> who is a little bit more involved here, because he's the one of the two of us that can speak a lot more Italian, and he's the one that has to deal with going to the university here and studying and dealing with the system, which is full of all sorts of craziness, like paying to get your grades and not to get a grade, but to get your transcript of it, which you have to send to here and get snapped by this person and all these things. He's the one that has to deal with a lot more of that sort of thing. And so for him, he's wearing out. He's getting sick of it. He's like you, or he's tired of almost being run over by cars. He's tired of people stepping out of stores and just standing in front of him. He's tired of people not moving aside on the sidewalk, because here they tend to walk shoulder to shoulder, and you either have to step off the curb or wait for them to get past you. Uh, he's yourself up against the wall, generally. Yes. He's just getting really tired of all that. Plus, a lot of his interests, as long as we're temporarily somewhere, unless we were just to decide to put roots down, he feels like he can't really get to work on the things that he wants to do with his life because it's almost like your life is on hold because you know that you're going to leave here. And so what do you want to start while you're here? That's sort of what he's dealing with. And I think that's manifesting in more annoyance with similar things that you're being annoyed with. So I can understand that. Absolutely. Except it took me 10 years. 
you were committed to being here, and well, he's already lived in a multiple foreign countries, so maybe he's had the yeah, maybe he's sort of like up to his neck with crazy people. <laughs> Let's talk about um what happened this week because I was here at home alone. He was at the university studying in class, and generally speaking, if a person buzzes the door downstairs that I don't recognize, even if they look like an official person, I will not let them in. That's uh, a very good move. Thank you. Well, what's going to stop somebody from dressing up like a light guy, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. I don't know if your apartment's the same way. They'll just push the other buttons, and eventually somebody's going to be like, whatever, and buzz them in. Yes. So this guy is buzzing my buzzer over and over and over again. I also don't answer, not out of fear, really, but that I can't really talk to them very much. I could say, I don't understand what you're saying, or I can understand certain little words here and there, but I'm not my communication isn't high enough to deal with some official, right? So I just don't let them in. So he's buzzing my buzzer, angry, angry, angry buzzing. And I just didn't let him in. Somehow he gets in the building, of course. A few minutes later, he's up at my door, ringing my doorbell over and over and over again. I'm still just pretending that I'm not here. Because what am I going to do? Uh, so I'm not answering. and I'm tiptoeing around the house. I'm like, maybe I'll go upstairs and read. <laughs> so he doesn't know I'm here. I said, oh, you know what I'll do while he's ringing the doorbell downstairs? I'll just, I got to get ready to go anyway. I'll just take a shower. <laughs> then I really can't hear him. And then the power gets cut off. And I'm here by myself. He's still in the hallway. I'm watching him cut the power off. And I'm thinking, what could I say to him? I, I don't know what to say to him. I can't even ask him why he's cutting the power off. I won't understand. So then I called <laughs> called you in a, in a panic they cut the power off and you gave me the good advice that there must be a note somewhere in the building of course it was stuck in the wrong place so i'm glad i went and looked for it otherwise i would have had no where exactly idea. was it i could never figure out where you had found that i found it in the mailbox slot of my neighbor and what were you doing going through the mailbox of your neighbor well it was sticking out of the top and it was folded in half okay. but i also always look in his mail because our mailman always delivers our mail to him generally speaking. Okay. I'm not sure why. So I call you up, I find the piece of paper, I put it into Google Translate. The paper essentially says, your power's been shut off, non-payment. I knew that we had just paid the bill a couple weeks earlier. This is the thing about being an expat in a foreign country and just getting there, because I thought, what the heck am I gonna do? I don't know who to call. It said, on the thing it said, please call us to get it reconnected, but there was no phone number. So then I wrote a bunch of panicked, probably poorly translated emails to my to my landlord who wrote back and said I can't do anything about this from Paris which is where she lives luckily she suggested going over to the rental agency that rented us the apartment and said go and talk to them maybe they can help you figure it out which is what we did so many people don't use agencies what would you have done then <laughs> I don't know I don't know this is the question and of course they look call the company and they find out that the guy that lived here before us hadn't paid for a year. Typical. So we had to pay all of his bills. All of them. Which, of course, are coming out of the rent. How much was it? It wasn't that bad. The man must have never turned his lights on. I think 440 euros for yeah, a year. For a year, that's not bad at all. How did he do that? Because I, I spent 170 for the winter months. So. But are you sure that some of that wasn't his? No. Yeah, that's a hard one. So uh, I had to go speak for a class of a university that's an American university. I had to go speak to them that morning. And so I left Derek this note explaining everything I had done, all the mishaps and stuff like that, and that he needed to figure out how to deal with this. He was the one that ultimately went to the agency. Of course, the, at the very bottom of my note, I just wrote, I feel like there's absolutely nothing I can do about the situation. 
if it's up to me, I'm going to be sitting in the dark for the rest of the time I'm here, you know, for months. So. Yeah, it does kind of make you realize how powerless you are in certain situations. Well, and how easy things are back home sometimes. Not that dealing with a power company is necessarily ever easy, but you expect a certain level of difficulty that at least you know how to navigate to a degree. Yeah, it's true. I, I take these things for granted now, but um, it definitely makes you feel vulnerable. Do you remember anything like that from your... Well, early years I have to say that when I moved here I already spoke proficient Italian not, Lucky you. not fluent but I, I spoke enough to to understand I spoke maybe as well as Derek speaks now so I didn't have that issue but I definitely had many issues in which I felt like I was being taken advantage of or I didn't really know what to do about a situation so I've been there but even today even now things will happen I mean you're still a foreigner it doesn't matter how long you've been in a country you're still you're still seen as, as not being from there. Mm -hmm. It's given me so much sympathy for all these people who come to the United States and start businesses that are from other countries. Feeling like I feel now, it almost seems incomprehensible to me that they would be able to do that. The family moves over from Greece. They decide to open a family restaurant. They learn English at the same time. Well, actually, not to continue being down on Italy, <laughs> but I think that a family from anywhere in the world moving to America and opening a business is got to be way easier than someone coming to Italy and trying to open a business because America for all of their faults they are pretty friendly towards entrepreneurs and they ta their tax breaks and they have their incentives I think a business license in America costs something like $50 I have a friend who opened a business there an Italian uh, half Italian half American and he said, can you believe this? American business license, it's $50, and they give it to you the day you go. In Italy, a business license, there are many different types, but the typical type of business license costs between 20 and 100,000 euros. That's not even considering the capital that it would take to open an office, get insurance, set up a tax account, redecorate, you know, whatever you might have to, if you're building a restaurant, you might have to build a whole kitchen. I mean, this is on top of that. And I mean, who has that kind of money? It's very difficult for, in this generation. I think it was easier 50 years ago because there are a lot of, there are a lot of small businesses in Italy, but they've all been around for years. There's very few new small businesses because you just get the life sucked out of you and the money sucked out of you. The taxes are unbelievable. And I'm not one of those people who goes around, you know, low taxes. But I think here it's excessive. I think it's even harder here. But yeah, it does. I mean, being an expat, the, one of the many benefits is that it does give you a bigger worldview. And, and, you know, you view immigrants in your own country in a very different way after you've been an expat. It's just so common for people to um, treat immigrants like they aren't very smart. It gives you the appreciation of, hey, these people are living their lives in a foreign language that they're in the process of learning. And in a foreign culture. Because yeah. that can sometimes be even more difficult to get used to. And yeah, and they're figuring it out. They're figuring out how to get a job. Their language skills are getting better and better. They're having things like their light getting cut off and they're having to figure out who to call and what to do. And meanwhile, everybody around them is treating them like they're an idiot just because they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, it's true. I get it. I get it too. I, I oftentimes, like when I was looking for an apartment a few years ago, my husband, well, he wasn't my husband yet, but we were looking for an apartment together. And... I was the one generally going and visiting the places first. And as soon as I showed up, 
especially if it was through an agency. They just looked down on me. Who, who are you? And I've gotten that many, many times here. And I think it happens all over the world with, with any immigrant. It doesn't matter if you come from to the Philippines or the United States. If you're an immigrant, you're never going to be looked at the way that a local person is looked at, unfortunately. Yeah, and in the language learning curve, there are always going to be those moments, particularly in the early years, where you just you just have to admit, I don't understand what you're saying. I still say that all the time. At least once a day, I say to one of my colleagues, I didn't understand. You have to repeat it. So don't feel bad, please. And I've been here for 10 years, and I still have to ask that so that just it it teaches you to be humble to admit that you're not perfect i don't know everything no when the guy came to reconnect the light after we same guy no different guy well i don't know i never (laughs) i didn't meet the first guy i did look at him but it looked like a different guy younger guy he comes and i will give them credit in the sense that um they came the next morning that's really surprising yeah I was thinking maybe it would be all day. They said that they definitely would come the next day when we paid. Oh, I was thinking like a week. But maybe. It is like, pretty serious. You need electricity. Yeah. It's not like your internet. If it was the internet, you would have been without it for two months. <laughs> <laughs> but we, electricity, I guess they're a little more, yeah. more careful. So he comes the next morning and uh, I was waiting for him. And I buzzed him in and I opened the door when he rang the doorbell. And the first thing I said to him was, I don't understand Italian. When I reflect on that moment, I think I said it in Spanish. Because <laughs> I said, can we hear it? No, because you know it's Capisco. I I don't understand, but I said I know I said comprendo. Well, you know what? I think that that's also an Italian word, comprendere. You can say comprendo. It's not wrong. It's just not as commonly used. So there you go. You oh, hey, right. okay, <laughs> that's better. So and he's like, oh, okay, um, and he looked a little puzzled for a second there. Now what should I do if she doesn't understand anything I'm saying, right? So then he he this just is looks the moment where if it had been a porn film, you guys would have had sex. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just come write it down and we'll put it in Google Translate together <laughs> over a glass of wine? <laughs> yes. So he, so then he's starting to think he needed some things from me, and so he's he just says, "Okay, Scala." Oh, I got that. I got that. <laughs> you need a ladder. Great. And I said, yes, I have a letter. And I think I said it in English. Yes, I have a letter, which was stupid because I know the word for letter and I know how to say yes in Italian. (laughs) Um, So I went and got the letter and he went out, set it up. He was making puzzled noises out in the hallway looking at the electric box, which I thought was a really bad sign. He figured it out. He comes back in and he's dragging the ladder back in. And then he says to me a phrase that I don't understand. And I'm like, what word in there do I recognize? And I'm like, I think he just asked me for a pen. I get a pen out of the drawer and he's like, no. And he, by the way, he's holding a pen. Okay. <laughs> this is brilliant. I wish I'd been a fly on the wall. <laughs> and uh, he said, no, luce, light, right? There you go. I know. Why did you think it was pen? I don't know. Well, he used multiple words. Okay. So I don't right. know why. I Who knows word. why? I was just like, what could he possibly be asking me for? A piece of paper, a pen? And so he just flicks on the light to make sure the power is still working. Now, the only redeeming quality of this entire interaction was he leaves, I say, thank you, in Italian, which was great. Good job. Yeah. He's leaving and walking down the stairs. And I look over on the shelf by the door and realize that his gloves were left behind. Oh, that was so done on purpose. (laughs) Back to that porn film. Yes, exactly. (laughs) No, so I got to run out in the hall and say, scusi. 
And he turned around and I gave him the glove. I think he said, oh, I'm so stupid in Italian. Thank you. And then he walked away. And then I went and took a shower and turned all the lights on and powered up all the devices <laughs> and all those things you do to rejoice that you get your power back. <laughs> well, I think that under the circumstances, you did pretty well. So you should be proud. Thank you. I won't be, but I appreciate that. And I'm going to leave it at that note, because if you remember from last week, I was the one parking in the handicapped parking space, which I don't want a reputation for, by the way. Okay? I have not done it that in years. It was out of character. It was ex- both times it was out of character. <laughs> both, possibly three times. Three? I don't know. I don't do it anymore. I used to be lazier. Now I'm ambitious. Now I park far from the door and I walk in. Mm-hmm. I get exercise that way. That's just what old people do. You're just getting old. Well, and I also understand that the handicapped spot needs to be open for handicapped people. But so, wait, we're leaving it on a high note with me. Oh, right, a high note. Succeeding. Sorry. Yes, you had, in, you had a conversation with a light guy. Which involved two words, scala luce. Oh, in a and Spanish word, comprendo. Also Italian. And you said <laughs> si and grazia and scusi. I didn't say si. You never said si. I said yes every time. Ah, okay. You said scusi and grazie. That's better than nothing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Our next podcast will be all in Italian. <laughs> no, but our next podcast, we're going to get into the darker side of travel. So stay that tuned. Will be fun. I'm Katie Stuhl. I'm Tiffany Parks. Good night. Goodbye. Good afternoon. Wherever you are. We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com.